As Lizzo sings, it's about damn time. In the aftermath of massive layoffs that began late last year and continue to this day, CEOs at some of the largest companies are taking pay cuts for 2023. Good. It's only fair. But are they doing it out of fairness and empathy? Or is there something else at play? Join Chris and I as we take on executive pay, including an overview of the executive compensation provisions within the Dodd-Frank Act. Welcome to Gap Chats, the podcast dedicated to all things accounting, brought to you by Gap Dynamics. I'm your host, Mike Walworth, and with me as always is my faithful partner, Chris Brundrett. We hope you'll join us on our journey today as we share our passion for accounting and help change the way you train. Well, first of all, happy birthday, Mike. Thank you, Chris, and I want to thank you for drafting today's podcast episode for me so I didn't have to do it. Well, I actually... Didn't draft it, uh, so let's just move on. What are we talking about today? I was just kidding. I know you didn't draft it, but for those of you listening, Chris and I are actually together for once in our office and recording this episode on my actual birthday. And today we're going to talk about executive compensation. Now, Mike, how'd you come up with this topic? Well, if you remember, know, it was a couple of episodes ago, we had a, an episode, a podcast episode on layoffs. I was thinking, and perhaps in that episode I even said, that it was kind of crappy that these people were getting laid off, but that these CEOs continued to make millions of dollars a year, regardless of the company's performance. But then I saw this headline on CNN. CEOs take pay cuts after brutal 2022. And suddenly this topic was all over the news. Apple CEO Tim Cook is taking a 40% pay cut in 2023. CEOs at some of the world's largest banks Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, and Bank of America all will see reductions in their CEO compensation this year. And in probably the biggest reduction, the CEO of Zoom, Eric Wan, is taking a 98% pay cut. Well, I wouldn't cry too much for these guys. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Even after taking a 40% pay cut, Apple's Tim Cook is still going to make $49 million per year. Look, I know $49 million isn't chump change, but it actually seems fairly reasonable given that Apple is the world's most valuable company with a $2.3 trillion valuation. And I actually don't think Apple had any layoffs. Well, not yet. And I agree that $49 million for Tim Cook seems reasonable for Apple. But what is reasonable? According to the Economic Policy Institute, CEO pay has skyrocketed 1,460 percent since 1978. They estimate that a CEO at one of the top 350 firms in the United States was paid $27.8 million per year on average. A CNBC article had average CEO compensation at $20 million. Either way, it seems like a lot, and considerably more than the average worker. 324 times, to be exact. <laughs> Chris, that seems like a very precise number. Where are you getting that from? Oh, I just guessed it. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Mike, as you know, as part of the rulemaking that came out of the Dodd-Frank Act, publicly traded companies are required to disclose the pay ratio between their chief executive and median employees. And in 2021, the average S&P 500 company CEO to worker pay ratio was 324 to 1. 
So let's back up. I mean, I know what it is, so I don't want to sound like I'm being, you know, stupid here. I know what it is. <laughs> but some of our listeners might not. What is the Dodd-Frank Act? The formal name is the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act of 2010. It was enacted in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis, and it really, outside of the original you know, SEC rule, you know, like the SEC, uh, you know, Securities Act, Act of and, 1933 yeah. and 1934. It really is the most far reaching Wall Street reform in, in history designed to prevent excessive risk taking that led to the financial crisis. It has many provisions. I mean, really wide ranging provisions. You know, for example, your personal credit card statements changed as a result of Dodd Frank. Okay. So lots of things are going on. But in this podcast, we're going to stick to the ones related to executive compensation. Agreed. I think that's a good plan. And in the essence of time, I'm going to even narrow it down even further because I know how you like 20-minute podcasts. Exactly. (laughs) So I'm going to narrow it down to only focus on four of these provisions. And they are basically in the order the related rules were finalized by the SEC. We're going to cover these four. Number one. Advisory vote on executive compensation. Some call that say on pay. Number two, internal pay equity disclosures, or as you mentioned, it's that CEO pay ratio. Number three, pay versus performance disclosures. And finally, number four, compensation recovery policies, or what we call clawbacks. So let's say, let's do say on pay first. And Chris, what's that all about? Well, the Dodd-Frank Act requires public companies to conduct a non-binding shareholder advisory vote. You notice I said non-binding and advisory, but it's to get the shareholder's opinion on their executive compensation programs as reflected in the executive compensation disclosure in the proxy statement. That vote has to happen at least once every three years. The vote is non-binding on the company and its board. Specifically, the vote may not be construed as overruling a decision by the board of directors, creating or implying any change in or additional fiduciary duty for the board, or limiting shareholders' right to make executive compensation proposals. Now, this final rule from the SEC was adopted on January 25th, 2011. So this is one of the first one and has been around for quite some time. Well, how does the SEC play into this? I thought Dodd-Frank was legislation passed by Congress. That's a great question. It it was. The law was passed by Congress, the Dodd-Frank Act. But really, the Dodd-Frank Act, in all of its glory and many, many, many pages, didn't actually do anything. It directed others, like the SEC, to actually implement its provisions. Got it. So what about this, this rule now? All right. So this was final rule 14A-21A for those that, you know, like, Care about uh, these yeah, things. like lots of detailed rule numbers. Um, and it requires companies at least once every three years to provide a separate shareholder advisory vote in the proxy statement to approve the compensation of executives. And that has been disclosed in the proxy statement. Okay. Well, in your opinion, does that rule actually work? I mean, isn't this just like good old boys club? I scratch your back. I pay you. You pay me. Well, it is all of the shareholders, first of all. Okay. And, and according to a recent PwC report recapping the 2022 proxy season, record numbers of companies failed to receive majority support for say on pay. So it's kind of interesting, right? Um, average support at companies in the S&P 500 and the Russell 3000 hit record lows since the vote was introduced 11 years ago, okay, at 
and 90% respectively. In the S&P 500, 21 companies failed their say-on-pay vote, with 207 companies receiving below 70% support. The number of failed votes at the Russell 3000 companies hit 71. Well, what's causing this other than CEO pay, you know, quote-unquote being out of control? Well, according to this PwC report, common issues included, you know, pay and performance alignment, right? What is the, how's the pay versus how the company is performing? Uh, one-time awards, eh, you know, I mean. Special, people, here right, you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uncommon pay structures. Uh, that was a, a sort of a flag, I guess, for the, for the uh, shareholder vote. Uh, unchallenging performance targets. Like, oh, yeah, we'll put performance uh, measures in place, but, but really, they're really easy. You're going to hit them. Right. Yeah, you're going to hit them. Well, nothing hard. I guess that's good that, you know, when a rule works as intended. Uh, let's move on to my personal favorite, the pay ratio, which was adopted by the SEC beginning in 2018 in response to criticism over excessive CEO pay. What are the requirements there? Well, here the Dodd-Frank Act requires public companies to disclose in all company filings with the SEC the median annual total compensation of their employees, except for the chief executive officer, the annual total compensation of their CEO, and the ratio of that median annual total employee compensation to the annual total compensation of the CEO. Okay, so we're we're talking about the median total compensation for employees and dividing it by the CEO's compensation. Got it. I always get kind of mean, median, and mode confused. I guess I was kind of falling asleep during elementary math there. (laughs) Well... Uh, You are a Florida Gator, aren't you? So uh, let's just chalk it up to that. Uh, Look, the median is in the middle. And uh, so it is the the middle number in a sorted list of numbers. And the reason why we use the median is it can be more descriptive of the data set than an average. Because, right, most people think, well, what about the average? The median sometimes is used to oppose to the mean or that average when there are outliers uh, in the sequence that might skew the average of the values. That makes sense. That way the other executives, which I assume have high salaries too, can't skew the you know, employee's average compensation. Exactly. Because remember, all we did was remove the CEO okay. from that group. So the right? CFO, COO, they're still in that group. Exactly. But if you were to take their average, it would skew that, that average higher. Yeah, we want to so look at like, you know, the- Real people. <laughs> right. The real people. <laughs> okay. I guess that's the other way to put okay, it. Okay. So let's let's just- Non-senior <laughs> management, let's say, or non-executive management. Gotcha. You know, uh, so uh, in our company, we have like 16 people on the website. Mm-hmm. So that's 15 excluding me. And so what we just list out the 15 people's compensation for the year and take what, like the eighth person on the list, that's there's seven above, seven below. Is, is that simple? Well, I mean, there there are some methodologies that the SEC lays out. We're not getting into them today, but the SEC rule allows companies to select from a methodology based on their own facts and circumstances. Because, you know, sometimes it, there may be things that would make that not be the best method to use. Um, so there's you know a lot of guidance on that. Obviously, we can't get into it in this show. But for us, we probably at a minimum would take out any subcontractors, right? Okay. And we do have some subcontractors in, in that total of 15. Um, we also have some part-time employees. So for them, we'd probably annualize their salary. So we had sort of an apples and apples kind of comparison. Yeah. Well, wouldn't – and forget gap dynamics, but any I mean, wouldn't the median employee change every year based on turnover and hiring people? It, it would. And that's why the SEC permits companies to identify its median employee once every three years, right? 
unless there's been a change in its employee population or employee compensation arrangements that it reasonably believes would result in a significant change to its pay ratio disclosure. So we're kind of trying to balance the let's not be messing around with it every year to potentially sway the results, but also allowing companies the ability to make a change if their employee population's changed. Annual accounting updates are a necessity for accountants and auditors. But that doesn't mean they have to be mind-numbingly boring. Kick off the new year with our Essential IFRS or U.S. GAAP update course. Looking for something more tailored to your industry? Did you know we also have industry updates for both IFRS and U.S. GAAP on The Revolution, our online learning platform? You can check out all our e-learning courses available at revolution.gapdynamics.com. That's GAAP with two A's. And while you're there, use the code PODCAST2023. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-2023 for 15% off your entire purchase. And get ready to change the way you train. Okay, so... And and I as I said before, I find this fascinating. And and so for those of you that want to kind of look at the pay ratios of certain companies, it is out there. As Chris said, it's it's required. It's public mm-hmm. public knowledge. And there's this really cool article by Bloomberg with some sweet infographics. It basically takes takes the average employee compensation and puts a little dot, and then the CEO compensation is this big glowing orb around it to show the pay ratio kind of visually. Uh, and I'll put that link. Uh, to that article in the podcast. But anyway, some of these CEO pay ratios are, are absolutely staggering. Walmart CEO pay ratio is 1,013 to 1. Amazon CEO pay ratio <laughs> is 6,474 to 1. And even like little old Coca-Cola company, you know, in Atlanta, Georgia, their pay ratio is 1,791 to 1. I uh, apologize to the people in Georgia for Mike's attempted uh, Georgia accent there. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, that makes sense. Those are big companies. The CEOs are making big bucks, but their average employee tends to be more, you know, blue collar. Okay. Um, but I don't think it – that's a good try, try, Chris. But right. even like banks, you would think banks maybe not so much blue collar sort of average line worker. Those banks are not much better. J.P. Morgan CEO, but they're a little better. J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon, his pay ratio is 917 to 1. Goldman Sachs CEO is 238 to 1. Uh, and Citigroup CEO pay ratio is 372 to 1. Well, I'm getting a little depressed with this, so uh, let's move on. Okay, fine. Let's talk about pay versus performance disclosure. And I think this makes a lot of sense because I don't care. If I'm a shareholder, I don't care if the CEO makes whatever. He can make whatever. He or she can make whatever. But if they're providing results. And so I love this one. Let's talk about pay versus performance. This headline from Bloomberg Law may provide some insight into why those say on pay votes we talked about earlier were failing. Here's the headline. Investors challenge high executive pay as SEC requires more data. The article talks about the SEC's recently finalized rules regarding regarding companies to report more detailed pay versus performance data in their proxy statements. All right. Well, the Dodd-Frank Act here requires public companies to present a graphic or a narrative uh, description of the relationship between the company's financial performance and the compensation paid to the named executive officers in the proxy materials for their annual shareholders meetings. This is beyond just the CEO. Uh, There are certain named executive officers that will fall into this 
infographic, if you will. And didn't this – that was the Dodd-Frank Act, but didn't this SEC rule just recently get finalized? It did. It was on August 25th of 2022. Uh, the SEC adopted the final rules ab- about all of this disclosure of the relationship between executive compensation actually paid to the named executive officers. They call these NEOs. We love acronyms, okay. right? Um, and the company's financial performance. Whoa. If the Dodd-Frank Act was enacted – by Congress in 2010, why did it take the SEC 12 years to enact the final rule? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Originally, these were uh, pay versus performance rules were were you know put out or draft ones. They were proposed in 2015, and then they reopened the comment period after the original comment period. Uh, they reopened it again on uh, January 2022. And I mean, I think there's a few things. This one was a little bit diff- – I mean, like it's one thing to implement a ratio, right? Yeah, I mean, right. that's a calculation. This, how you present the company's performance versus the you know, the compensation, it, it was a little difficult and tricky to sort of think about. Remember, the Dodd-Frank just said, do it, yeah. right? They didn't say how. And so the SEC wrestled with that. They took a lot of comments back. And you know, I'm going to say, honestly, politics probably play a role in this too. I mean, the SEC chairman, after all, is appointed by the president of the United States. Got it. I know what happened between 2015 and 2022. Yeah, there was right. a different administration, and now there's a new sheriff in town. Yeah. Right? At least for a few more years. Yeah, right? we'll, we'll see. see. So, okay. So the last one we're going to talk about, the last provision, it's that compensation recovery policy or those clawback provisions. So let's talk about that for a bit. All right. So the Dodd-Frank Act here requires that stock exchange listed companies adopt a compensation recovery policy, hence the clawback. I'm clawing back money, right? This policy requires disclosure of the company's policy on incentive-based compensation that's based on financial information required to be reported under the securities laws. And it provides that in the event a company is required to prepare an accounting restatement because of a material non-compliance with any financial reporting requirement under those securities laws, the company will recover from any current or former officer any incentive-based compensation, including stock options, received during the three-year period preceding the date on which the company is required to prepare the accounting restatement. Uh, and, ba- and based on erroneous data that is in excess of what would have been paid to the executive officer under the accounting restatement. So let's simplify that here for a minute. Okay. I mean, basically what we're saying here is, you know, let's say net income was $100 million. You received some variable compensation, stock options, or bonus pay because of that $100 million net income. A couple of years down the road, there's a restatement of financial statements dropping net income down to $50 million. The company has provisions in place that can go grab that incentive compensation and claw it back and basically the amount of the overpayment. Because I paid you too much. I I paid it based on this erroneous data that you were saying. Exactly. Exactly. So it's truing it up to what it should have been had, you know, had the, had the financial statements been right, right? Right. Back at the time. So what, let me ask you a question though. I thought, I mean, you and I have been in this game for 20 plus years. I mean, I've talked about clawbacks before, and I can mm-hmm. remember the slides of a claw <laughs> right, you know, right, grabbing right. it. Didn't companies already have these policies? They did. Uh, the final rule was adopted in October 2022, and it requires listed companies to adopt a clawback policy. 
you know, these final rules largely track the proposed rules that were issued way back in January of 2015, although there are some differences. First, even some what we call little R restatements uh, that don't involve material misstatements in past years may trigger a clawback under the final rules. Okay, so that's that's number one. And the new rules require more detailed disclosures about how a company's policy was implemented in the most recent fiscal period. So really, we're just adding a little bit more depth to these rules, right? And and what companies have probably been doing largely in the past. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's probably, I mean, there's a ton of other, and and all this stuff, there is a ton of rules associated with these four provisions. You know, we encourage our listeners to kind of go out there and make sure that they kind of look at the final rules. And if you did have clawback policies already in place, mm-hmm. just make sure that your existing clawback policies are now in compliance with this new rule. So, Chris, kind of to wrap it up, and I want to ask your honest opinion. Sure. Here. What is your opinion on these rules and these types of, of rules? Do you think this is something that the SEC should even worry about it? Is it in their purview? I, honestly, I have some conflicting feelings about this. Um, you know you know me, Mike. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm very much compensation is something that you do not discuss with other people, you know, in general, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I do struggle with that. However, these are public companies, right? And so they do have a duty to report information to their shareholders and even potential investors. So I'm sorry, the world's a little different when you work for a public company. So on the surface, I'm okay with disclosure about compensation information. I think it's very important. You know, I like the clawback idea. I mean, come on, let's be fair, right? Fair is fair. Yeah. Um, and, and I like the disclosure about pay versus performance. I think that's, you know, it's. I think it's a cool thing to be able to see, okay, well, if I feel better about a CEO's compensation if – I know that the performance is there. I do struggle with some things. If you want my personal yeah, opinion, I, I struggle with the uh, pay versus or the pay um, ratio. Pay ratio. Yeah, right? you wouldn't even allow us to do ours, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and, and and I struggle with that because all companies are different, right? And and a company that has you know maybe a lot of you know um, manufacturing work, you know uh, workforce and things like that, versus a professional services firm, it, it's going to be very very different. And I just sort of feel like when you see those numbers, like, you know, it, it's going to... It's a headline. It, it's like a... It creates... You said it before. You were talking... It creates negativity. It creates negativity in our already divided world. Right. right? I mean, yeah, I, I, like I don't that. know who's going to look at that and be like, oh, okay. You know, I mean, it, it, it's just sort of highlighting this in, to me in a negative way. So I, I like some of it. I struggle with others. But I think at a global level, this is really important stuff. Public companies need to be transparent about this. Yeah, I don't know. In my, I guess in my opinion, you know, it it sort of, it does border on SEC activism, mm-hmm. and perhaps we can have a an entire podcast dedicated to that because you know, help me out, Chris. The SEC's mission and mandate is what to protect investors. Yeah, right? and so while the clawback provision. I think is one of those types of things that does protect investors because I've overpaid right. an executive based on erroneous information. As you said, that pay ratio, eh, I don't know. It's kind of getting into more activism and, and more of that. That said, I do think that there kind of is a good old boys club up there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these types of rules, you know, protect the little guys like you and me. And I'm not just talking about our stature, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking about the little investors. And I do think it sort of helps normal people understand kind of what these executives are getting paid 
and some data points to make sure whether that's fair. And if not, they can at least vote because no matter how many shares of stock you own, one or 10 million, you still get a vote because you own the company. Now, let's be honest, your one vote isn't going to outvote, you know, Zucks, you right. know, Facebook shares. Right. But in some way, I think it's it, it's just a step in, in in the right direction, I think. And, and and I do think what's interesting, when I lived in, in Switzerland, one of the things I noted in some of the, my European friends talk, in the United States, our CEOs get paid a heck of a lot more than the average sort of CEO in Europe. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe this is sort of capitalism run amok. I don't know. TBD. Chris, why don't you take us out? All right. Well, that is all for this episode of Gap Chats, your source for all things accounting and even more in this episode. Uh, Notes and resources from today's episode are linked in the description. And as always, you can find us online at gapdynamics.com and at gapdynamics across social media. It's never too late to become a gapologist. Head over to our website and subscribe to our blog so that you are the first to know what is new with Gap Dynamics. We'll be right back.